0: Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach.
1: Welcome back to Puzzling Company here in the Deadbolt Mystery Society studio. We are super excited to have you all listening today. Zach, you are back from vacation. I am, yes. Are you rested, relaxed, invigorated for our summer leg of living? Oh, yeah.
2: No, it was uh, nice. I got to hang out with all my family, my dad's the family. I got to go rock climbing. It was a good time. It was just a time to go relax, chill, and uh, separate myself from everything.
1: So I know you went to DC. Yeah. Did you do like what do you like to do? I've been there a couple times. Do you like to do historical stuff? Just hang out? Like what's your what's your vibe when you're in DC?
2: Mostly go to museums, um, it, but it's nice to travel. It's nice because like when I go and see family, if I do go to DC, it's not super far. But like I can take the the train and it's like thirty minutes or something. That's not bad. Did you
1: convince anybody to play an escape room out there?
2: No. <laughs> no, my I still have family that wants to play them, but they've not played it. So
1: that's fair. You got to work on them. True. Well, today we are talking about another game from the East Coast, as it were, from the wondrous land of Boston, and it is called Colby's Curious Cook-Off by Boxeroo. Super excited to dig into this. We'll be right back with you. Hey, I just got back from the mail. Looks like we've got a new game to play. Oh, really? What is it? It's the new Escape the Crate game. Oh, I've been excited about this one. I'm personally a little confused. Okay. The title on the box just says Hood Unit. Okay, can you spell that? W-H-O-D-U-N-I-T.
2: Oh, it's Who'd It, Jared. Yeah, in the new escape the crate game, it's the Escape Who Done It. It's like a classic murder mystery, but with a twist ending.
1: I mean agree to disagree on pronunciation, and by the way, it's twist, not twist. Okay. But what you can do is go over to escape-the-crate dot com and use code PuzzlingCo, puzzling co puzzling C O all one word, and you'll get twenty-five percent off your first subscription order or any single retired box that they have. It is that time, Zach, where we review the game. Mm-hmm. Where do we review the game? Well, we review it here in the Deadbolt Mystery Society studio. Just a shout out to Deadbolt Games. They're very different from what we're covering today. Deadbolt are usually single play boxes. Today, what we're covering for Colby's Curious Cookoff. this is a long adventure in the puzzle hunt format. Zach, tell us a little bit more about what we can or a player can expect from diving into Colby's Curious Cookoff.
2: Yeah, you're presented with this fun narrative of Colby going to try to enter into this cookoff, and it's kind of his journey of his story of how he started as a cook kind of going to his application of trying to get into the cook-off itself, the big competition. And it involves a bunch of kind of puzzle hunty puzzles um, that you can interact with through the website um, using actual interactive elements with pictures and items or doing mostly styles of like word-y style puzzles where you must read them and try to figure out kind of the connection, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's it's really great. It's all web-based and it is a pay as you want type of situation. So if you want to just play this game for free, that is Acceptable, there is a recommended amount of money that you can pay or you can pay a million dollars for this thing, and I'm sure our friends at Boxeroo wouldn't mind that one bit. Yeah. But we want to dig in to this game, talk about what we liked, where we felt there was some room for improvements. And as of the recording of this, Zach and I are still playing this game. We have played with Zach going on vacation and the many uh, long games that we have played back-to-back-to-back I think it's safe to say that we will finish this journey, but not as of yet.
2: I mean, we made it like 80 or 90% of the way to the game. We're almost done. It's just, it's been crazy, but we got a lot done during the time I was on vacation. I'm excited
1: to see how it finishes off. And maybe that will change our uh, opinion a little bit as we finish it. But really, as similar to last week, I don't have a lot bad to say about this game, Zach. No. The word that comes to my mind for our experience thus far is clever. Yeah. Yeah. On so many different levels, this game is so well put together and clever. What when I say that, what do you think of?
2: I mean, there's just a really bunch of clever puzzles that, like, they're all kind of different. But like, the the you know, humor of it, but then also the writing and how specifically the Ward style puzzles work with the cleverness. Like, it's kind of just like there's funny moments where you just realize what it it's trying to present to you in a in a clever way, or you have these. I, I think the humor is kind of there. There's some there's some pretty good puzzles that. It just requires you to make the connection in the kind of the wording of the puzzle and then the actual solution. And it's pretty hilarious to make that connection.
1: I'm also thinking of it from like just like a web design. They do such a good job of making this so engaging and immersive with, I, I could say, just a web page. Yeah. Right. But there's some sound elements, there are some visual elements this as a entire game is very well thought through Mm -hmm. and put together. And I just kept finding myself more and more impressed with it. Even to the point where I would say we not spoil anything, but we have maybe finished our application per se and have uh, moved on to something that's a little more live. Yeah. Uh, So that that's kind of where we are. If you played this game before or if you're going to play this game, you'll know where Zach and I are at in this game. You cannot also talk about this game without about talking about its interactivity, which is our second love of this game. Is they gave you these puzzle types and it was really funny because when we started playing this game, we were playing in one browser that wouldn't let us do anything. And then it was like, oh duh, like who plays games in what were we playing it in? I think you were playing Edge. It like I was edge. thinking I was playing it at Edge. You
2: for some reason use edge, which still mind boggles me at times. My computer
1: hates Chrome for some reason.
2: Yeah, Jared unfortunately when we played we played separate at the beginning of the game I played at my apartment and you were playing at home I believe Yes, or you were here I I forget but you were playing on edge or something and it was just hilarious and I kept saying
1: wouldn't it be really great if we could do
2: X and I was literally on my like chrome because I opened it up for myself because at first we were playing it only through his screen and we were like discord sharing and I was like I'm just gonna open up my own page and then I literally was like Jared you can move all this stuff and I was literally just like I was like what yeah
1: (laughs) Uh, and that, just, that just became the running joke is, no, they had thought of this very intelligently to where the things that you want to move and interact or write, it's there. Yeah, you can do it. It's a very intelligent UI, mm-hmm. and that just made the experience more aesthetically pleasing. It made things solvable. You may still want a paper and pen for some points, but... Yeah gum, this is a robust thing that they've put together. Yeah, The game just flows really well, and it allows you to do all the things digitally that you would want to do in real life. Mm-hmm. And man, I, that to me, it's thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Like, it's thoughtful on the puzzle design. It's also thoughtful just on, like I said, like a UI level. Like, you let me do the things that I want to do. Thank you so much, Boxaroo. You see the rhyme? Mad rhyme I there. I saw it. Mad rhyme. You didn't think puzzling company had bars. We probably still don't, but for that brief moment in time, it was there. Yeah. It was totally there. The last thing that I love about this game is, and Zach, you know, this is one of like my buzzwords or things I love. It primarily feels like one, I don't know if the right word is like grouping of puzzling. We'll talk about this more in the room for improvements a little bit. And it's not even a room for improvement, but just like it feels like a very wordy game. But. They yeah. spice it up on a lot of different levels with the variety.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, there is so many different styles of puzzles. I don't think we ran into many or any at all that were the same style. Agreed. I think there is one or – actually, there are like two that use the same style of puzzling that I remember off the top of my head. Um, they kind of evolve like doing dedu- – I say deduction, but they're like logic puzzles to a degree. But they're, but they're both done differently, so yes. it's not like the same logic puzzle, which I really liked. But most of it – I mean, yeah, I'm – It was really well done in terms of that. I felt like we got a new puzzle that I didn't feel like we were doing the same thing over and over and over again,
1: which there's a lot of puzzles in this and they're very time consuming Yeah, unless you just rapidly pick out, but you're working through them a lot. And then there's some puzzles that take you really off guard. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm thinking of one in the first part of the application that, or it may have been the second part, but I'll say it takes you outside of the game. There was another one that I know you didn't work on. This is when you were on vacation and I was tackling most of it, but that takes you on an adventure through somebody's house. Interesting, okay. Uh, that you may want to go back and play that puzzle that I absolutely loved. And what that allowed it to do is, one, it gives you variety of puzzle type, but then the game also increases in difficulty as it goes, so it gives you a variety in puzzle difficulty. Yeah. So if you are... Trying to get into the puzzle hunt world, I really like this game because you can slowly ramp yourself up, learn some things along the way, gird yourself for those spicier puzzles. Because one of the things I love about this game is it ranks its puzzle difficulty by the number of chilies or the number of spices. And I thought that was really clever and fun too, Mm -hmm. but then it gets you ready. And and those three things is like where I think Colby's Curious Cook-Off is, is it's super clever. It's interactive for a web page and you're just getting so much variety. Yeah. And wrap all of that in this fun little intimate tale. And that's just good. Like mm-hmm. it, it, for when we think of like online web-based games, we think there's some kind of action. No, this just took place over really thoughtful puzzling. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that's what I really loved about it. Uh, Zach, take us into our room for improvement.
2: Yeah. So, Reminder, uh, Room for Improvement is not a place to dog in a game. It's just kind of to give our opinion of what we liked or disliked about the game. Um, it was most of the things, honestly, for this game were pretty small. I think we had one big Room for Improvement. And the rest was just all kind of like minor things. are like, hey, you should know this if, before you play Colby's Curious Cook-Off. Yes. Um, the first one is the hint system. So how the game works and functions is that when you want a hint, um, it does have a button that says Need a Hint at the bottom. But what it's going to do is it's going to have you type in your question or your type in your question or what you've learned and what you want to ask the staff at Box Roo to help you with the puzzle. You'll send it in and you'll get an email response from them. Now, most of the time, it's been very quick. We've gotten, I know from the ones I've seen of us asking for hints or when I was on vacation, my phone gets updates of our email. So I'd see email randomly of like Boxer at helping Jared with a puzzle. And I was like, okay. So it it's cool that they do it that way. The issue ends up being still, it is a hint system that isn't really tiered. It is you asking a question and hoping that the staff at box not saying they, they did a really good job, yeah. but you know, it is still a thing of like, they type it out to you and there's a chance you don't get it, you know, or you don't have the tiered hint system where you can do it at your own pace at the, on the website where you can be like, Oh, I'm just going to go look and see what they say helps with this puzzle or like a visual help. It's all written out. So it is unfortunate because it, kind of stops you at times from playing the game to ask for help. But like I said, they didn't, from what I saw, they did a really good job of being pretty quick with responses. So it didn't feel like you were waiting forever, but it's still a thing that you, you do stop. You stop your immersiveness in the game. You stop and you go like, okay, let's see what they say. And then there's a chance, even when you ask for help, you still don't get it. And then you're like, okay, let's ask for another help. And then maybe wait a minute or, you know, however long it ends up being.
1: I've gone back and forth a million times on this. Yeah. Because I think, It feels like a game master. Yes. And that Boxaroo is primarily an escape room company. Yes. So what is great about a game master like we talk about? They can pinpoint right where you're at and give you detailed information. Is that what we experienced? 100%. We said, this is what we are experiencing. We had the opportunity to put feedback into the hint system and then generate something. So I like that. The other part about this is... I don't know that I would recommend playing this game in a straightforward binge fashion. Yeah, probably not. It does lend itself a little bit more to that as well. Yeah. To where, oh, well, just take a break and come back to it. Mm. They also do a really good job of saying like, hey, between this hours, which is when they're not awake, generally, we probably won't respond to you during this time. I
2: was going to say, that would be my only other like critique in the scenario,
1: but they tell you straight up. They like, tell you about that.
2: They're like, yeah. I mean, if you decide to play at 1 a.m., you're probably not getting a response.
1: Absolutely. So. And you already mentioned my other thing. They're so nice and good about getting back to you in a timely manner, and their system is set up in order to do that really well. But the hard part about this, and I'm just, I will always come back to this, is that still forces you to play the game on the creator's terms. Yeah. And a little bit of every game is like that, right? But when it comes to points of being stuck, I still just say, give us a tiered hint system. Rita's game is evidence. You want to build that out 20 levels. Great. I'll dig through that and I still can play the game at my pace. Yeah. And that's why I think this is still stuck. Even for all those points I just made of, why I want to keep it in a room for improvement, because I just don't think you can beat that. Yeah. I I see the counter arguments to it, but there were still times where I wanted to move forward in the game and I couldn't. It stopped my progress. And that's what's hard because we talk about this. Sometimes we have very tight frames where we can play a game, review a game, so forth and so on. If you're sitting out there and you wanted to play this game in an evening, two things. One, it's more content than an evening demands. And two, you may get to a point and get stuck. Now, the other really thing I want to throw in here that's very interesting about this game is this game is played in sections and the way that it, if you can't get the meta answer, which we did experience that, it'll say, hey, well, it'll unlock automatically in 24 hours. And it was really clever because they had a prompt for if you didn't solve the meta and wanted to move on and a prompt if you did. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was really clever too, but I just... I cannot let go of the let a player play the game that they want to play. Mm-hmm. Same thing in an escape room. If they want to buzz you every five seconds and ask for a hint, they may not get the most enjoyment out of that, but you know, let's give the player what they want. Yeah. And and that's just how I feel. I, I haven't experienced the game yet. That's made me change my opinion on that. Maybe it will. One day Colby's kind of felt close to pushing my opinion on that. But at the end of the day, there are points where I felt frustration because I just wanted to see a solution or I just wanted to see the tiered hint system and be able to play through the game. And I don't think that would have decreased my enjoyment in the game. Hmm. I don't really have a whole lot else for this. Zach, let's let's dive in into who we feel really feel like this game is for. I think a lot of people can play this game. I think it's actually like you said,
2: a very good introduction to puzzle hunts it does a really good job of showing you the difficulty rating, stuff like that. It is a very wordy style puzzle game. So if you do enjoy wordy style puzzles um, that are less, that is less about visual stuff there are, like I said, there are some really cool visual elements and in interactability in the games, but a lot of it is wordy, like reading very specific things, finding out the connection, yes, looking up info, then this game might not be the best for you. If you don't enjoy mostly wordy style puzzles But I think this game does a good job of trying to add in visual elements to keep you on board and help you solve some of the more difficult wordy puzzles. But yeah, that's really it. I think it's a good, I actually would really like playing this with other people that maybe have not played many puzzle hunts because it it gives you a good idea of like how to gain outside information and look up stuff. But most of it wasn't difficult. It was pretty good about being like, okay, what, what is another word for this? You know? And you're like, Oh, I just look up synonyms for this word. or, Or what's, like, I don't want to spoil a puzzle, but it's like, okay, what words can make this dish? And you go, oh, I just have to look up and see if that even makes sense as a, if that's an actual dish somewhere in the world. And
1: it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, 100% on board with what you said. It, it felt at many different points like a crossworder would just destroy this game Yeah, because it's exactly what you said. You're looking for short definitions of words, but they mixed that up so much that it didn't feel like, hey, I'm constantly doing a crossword puzzle. Yeah. So I agree with you. But overall, this is a really unique, really stellar game. If you are interested in starting puzzle hunts, you can get your feet wet a little bit in this game. And then our only other recommendation is break this up. Don't binge this game. Yeah. Uh, unless you're just die hard about puzzle hunts, puzzle games. I found it better in spurts. I came back to puzzles that I didn't ask hint for and had a lot of clarity on some Mm -hmm. to whereas i think if we would have binged this we would have asked for a lot more hints but really really cool game boxeru i thought did a stellar job with it i I think if you're out there you're looking for something to play over time check this out i think you'll really enjoy it Mm -hmm. that's really going to wrap us up for our first section we have puzzles to the people coming at you next
0: solve puzzles write reviews win prizes it's time for puzzles to the people
1: Man, I'm just really enjoying Deadbolt Mystery Society games lately. They're just giving me a real sense of nostalgia. Yeah, I've been really enjoying them. My favorite part about them is they just feel balanced. You get a little bit of an escape room, a little bit of a murder mystery. It kind of reminds me of those cartoon TV shows I grew up on. Same. There's one I'm specifically thinking of. It kind of involves a
2: dog and some humans in it. Oh, the Jetsons! I love that show. Okay, close but wrong. No, they kind of like solve mysteries together. Oh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Okay, they don't solve mysteries. Courage literally does random things. Jared, I was specifically trying to tell you it's Scooby-Doo.
1: That doesn't sound right. No, 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 blues clues.
2: Okay, they are solving puzzles and mysteries, but no, 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 no. I'm talking about Scooby-Doo. Well, at least the good thing for our listeners is if you like Adult Scooby-Doo, you can play a Deadbolt Mystery Society game, and when you want to go purchase one, you can put in the promo code PC15 for 15% off subscriptions and single one-time boxes.
1: No, I've got
2: it. It's Airbud. Jared, that's a real-life dog. That's not even animated and he doesn't even solve crimes. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are now here in the second section of the show that is Puzzles to the People, brought to you by the Deadbolt Mystery Society Studio. If you haven't played a Deadbolt game yet, you totally should. Now, in this section of the show, uh, I like to call it madness for myself. It's basically a Jared makes up an idea of something that we should talk about, either through a topic that kind of relates to the game that we have on the show, um, through things that are happening in the community, or kind of looking at reviews, stuff like that of the game, and kind of discussing them and having like a back and forth of
1: if we agree with the topic or not. Yes. Today's an interesting topic. Okay. Because we're not talking anything game theory, game opinion. Boxaroo is uniquely situated as a company for us because they're in Boston. Yeah. And this year that is where Recon is going to be. Yes, and I wanted to talk to you because all of the games that we cover are at home, right? yes, we have no interest in starting to cover escape rooms as a part of what we do. yeah, we are sticking to our your home for at home puzzles and mysteries
2: and escape or not
1: <laughs> unless escape rooms start magically appearing in our homes, which would be dope That'd be cool. we will we will not, but I wanted to talk to you today, Zach, because both of us will be attending Recon. Yes. I think it's important that we both attend Recon also because we do have the escape room interaction there. Yeah. But I want to talk to you about it from an at home perspective. Boxeroo is a company that has, we're going to get to play them escape rooms that have great reputation. And then they have a game like this that kind of draws them into the at home. But for us, why do we think it's important that at home people try to come to recon. Like it feels like that made a lot of sense years one and two when recon was exclusively digital, but they have made a decision this year to make it exclusively in person. Yes. So why would somebody who go to a primarily escape room conference? Who's making at home games?
2: I think it's just a really cool atmosphere to join. You're going to get to meet a lot of creative and very, amazing style of people who create really fun, amazing puzzles that are physical, but also digital style puzzles. I think it's an area to get to interact with the community and see other amazing creators and kind of discuss things. And it, it, I think it's just a good place for the community. Like it, it lets you explore a lot of things, gain more information about things that are going on, topics that maybe you don't have the most information about. It lets you see products from other companies in a, in a very cool scale um, I think there's a lot of really good talks and different panels that they do that you get to kind of hear from some really talented people in the industry and kind of learn and gain more knowledge about that subject. And then I think getting to play cool puzzles and stuff, if it's at home or if it's in like real life in terms of like escape rooms, I think it's just really fun. It gives you something to kind of bounce around in terms of ideas and be like, oh, well, you know, I've been thinking about this, you know, kind of style puzzle I want to do for an escape room or for an at home game. And, you know, I know Boxer who does a really good job with this style thing. It'd be interesting what they do in a, in a room or get to talk to them in there if they're there and discuss kind of yes,
1: topics. Absolutely. Here's the biggest thing for me is what it happened in the first two years is it made sense, I think, for a lot of owners and players because it wasn't cost prohibitive. You could do it and you were getting to still see world-class people from sitting at your home or business. Yeah. But what I have learned, I think what you have learned from the past two years of the pandemic is that we were not all at our relational best during Mm. the pandemic Yeah, is what we were craving was the ability to see each other, to shake a hand, to give a hug, to play a game in person. That is important. But as creators, as escape room owners, as puzzle designers, as enthusiasts, I personally believe that there is great benefit to us all sitting in the same room and whether that's talking about the things that we love to talk about on this podcast or to learn from someone that maybe knows more or differently than us, that is important. The other thing is I I think there's just so much benefit in the after hours of what's going to be happening at recon of playing more games or sitting at the bar and talking through things. The networking opportunities here, I think, are under-talked about right now because I just think collaboration is the future of what most of us will be experiencing. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? No, I agree. Our entire podcast is collaboration. We don't have a podcast without people coming on here and talking about their games, sending us their games. Even if we didn't run a podcast, I'm thinking about it from like a escape rooms or even Zach and I wanted to create a game. I think there's so much opportunity to meet people. And that's when I think so much magic happens is when an email can only go so far. a FaceTime can only go so far sitting across from someone and being like, oh yeah, I've had that same idea. And then the light bulbs goes off thinking, oh, we could maybe do that together. Like, that's how Zach and I got this podcast going. Like, we were face-to-face and we were having conversations and something magical happened. So, Zach, I'll throw this question to you. What are you hoping to gain from Recon?
2: I mostly am looking for the connections. I mean, it is networking. I'm not looking for a lot, like, I mean, it'd be really cool to gain to acquire maybe more networking in terms of like the podcast stuff like that. But for me, I just really enjoy getting to have I'm very extroverted, especially when it's with people I like. I feed off of it. I want to be there. I get to enjoy getting to talk about puzzles and hanging out with people. So I'm really excited to gain that from like recon is getting to see everyone in person, getting to talk to them, like actually get to have face to face interactions, kind of discuss the things
1: that we all love. Absolutely. One thing that the Spiros have been very clear about saying is I think their ideal audience for this is an escape room owner. If you listen to the very last episode of repod, they were talking about that. They said, if you're an enthusiast, absolutely still come. We're going to be playing some amazing things, but most of the education, the conversations are geared towards that style of person. Yeah. I think the temptation there. And then is to hear that for a lot of our owners that listen to the podcast and be like, I'm a at home game creator not an escape room owner. I don't have a physical location. I would risk it. I really would. I I just think that the style of presentation, the opportunity to play an escape room with others, like-minded people, I think there is incredible value there. And I understand. I've, I've looked at the recon ticket many times and said, this is a heavy investment, especially if I'm not near Boston, which we're not. We're hoteling, flying, we're making an investment to come to this. yeah. But I think the return of that is going to be beneficial for the long term, again, in the relationships, in the education, and in what we're going to experience in terms of play. Mm-hmm. Boston is home to some very unique style of on-location play. But what I think that at-home people, at-home creators... And again, even if you're listening to this and say, I'm an at-home player, I think if you can afford it, I think you still may learn some things here about what you enjoy. You may even be that person that's saying, oh, I I just don't know. I may want to have a digital game, a video game, an escape room. This will show you some of the best players in the game regionally and give you some inspiration that you are looking for while at the same time connecting you to some of the people that you need to be connected to in order to get your product out there. Cause if you look around Zach, what else are you going to go to in order to meet the same like-minded people? Like think about some of the other conferences that we've talked about. I can talk about some of the conferences that I've gone to. What else would you go to? Specifically for like escape room? not, there's not many. It's pretty much it. Yeah. And the level of intentionality that I'm seeing as we're moving towards this, I think is really cool. Now, the only caveat that I will give is from a vendor standpoint. I think it made a lot more sense the past two years to be a vendor. Yeah. Or if you're to like advertise, I'm interested to see how that plays out. I may come back this year and be like, no, you you need to be a vendor there. If you you have an at-home game, it makes a lot of sense. In what I saw from past escape room conferences, I say that in quotations, the vending hasn't, I don't think, been fantastic. I'm interested to see how the Spira's put a spin on that and the recon team puts a spin on that. So I think if you're going, you're going for relationships, you're going to have wonder and education and those type of things. I don't know if this is necessarily in terms of like return on investment from what you could sell as a product, your best bet. Would, would would you disagree with me on that? I just don't
2: know. I, I'm very intrigued to see what they do with the vendor style for the for the recon event. Cause I mean, it could be worth it and it could not be at all. And I my I mean I've only had one other experience with a convention that was escape room, which was recons last year online. For online, I thought it was it was pretty good, but it wasn't anything crazy. I didn't, you know, like for me personally, in my point of view, I didn't look too much into it. And I know some people did and they and they liked it, but I feel like in an in-person event, especially for like at home creators doing vendoring. It's right. It might be like, it's worth trying maybe, but I, I mean, I, like you said, I think it's probably a caveat. I wouldn't like recommend it unless we come back and we're like, Oh, you totally should do it. It was totally worth it. Like you, it would be crazy. You would sell well, you know,
1: or whatever. And it ends up being absolutely. And that, and that's the difference. That's why I say that there's most other big conferences, packs, uh, PAX unplugged, like whatever you, you may end up. Uh, we talk to people all the time about going to Essen. Yeah. going to big board game conventions in those things, you're talking thousands of people Yeah, uh, here in, in a lot of those are depending on which one you go to. Some are more industry, some are more player friendly. You're talking about hundreds of people, a couple hundred, three I'm imagining three or 400 people will be at recon. And at that level, there is the ability to really engage with others on an individual level. That's what I'm excited about to get, to have those small group conversations, to meet people that uh, our colleagues and, and to get to interact on a play level, right? This is yep. a, this is a play level. So if you're out there and you're a listener, if you're saying, Jared, you're asking me to get out of my home and go somewhere, I get it. Zach and I love the home, but I think there are lessons to be learned from, we always say that from adjacent places. So if you're out there, you're a creator, you're thinking about being a creator. You just love these board games. I think Recon could be really engaging for you. You should absolutely think about it. You won't hear any more advertisements for us. We do this just because we honestly believe in what this is going to be. We're putting our money into it. And honestly, we'd love to see some of you there, some of the many people that message us, the creators that we talk to. We would love to see you at Boston in August. Zach, just as a real quick pitch for a couple of people on a team that we really admire, Where can people go to find out more information about recon?
2: Yeah. If you'd like to get any more information about the recon convention or look up any info or tickets and stuff like that, you can go to www.realityescapecon.com and that will have all of your information about the recon event that'll be coming up in August.
1: We hope to see you guys there. We wanted to take this moment again, just because Boxer makes so much sense to talk about it. I think it's going to be a blast come play some escape games come meet us we'd love to grab a drink a meal with you as time allows while we're out there and we will be recording an episode live from recon which is really exciting for us so we hope to see you guys there but we're moving on to questions for creators
0: there are some really awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve this is questions for creators
1: Hey everyone, Jared here, and if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that Zach and I love to test our skills as private investigators. We've done this for local police departments, federal agencies, and we always seem to catch our bad guy. But one of our favorite companies to do that with is Unsolved Case Files. They have a really great product. Their game works through envelopes. Every time you solve part of the case, you open another envelope and you get to dig into even juicier and deeper details until you finally figure out what's going on. They have a great online input system for their answers. And of course, as we always talk about, a great hint system to complement it when you get stuck and you're looking for that extra nudge. Personally, we love these games because they tell great stories those stories have great twists, and the connections that you are making to solve the case lead to those super satisfying aha moments. Me personally, I like these games because they're what I call one sitting games, which means they take about an hour to two hours and you don't have to worry about a cliffhanger ruining it if you want to get all the way through it. You're getting an entire story, an entire game every time you play unsolved case file games. Currently, there are eight of these games out there. You can find these games at unsolvedcasefiles.com. And just for being one of our listeners, you can get 15% off by using the code puzzle15, all one word, puzzle15 at unsolvedcasefiles.com. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are here in the Deadbolt Mystery Society studio. And we've got two wonderful creators here, as this is Questions for Creators. We want to jump right in, get to talk to them. And as we mentioned in the last section, we'll get to see them both in Boston here in a couple months. So we're really excited about that. So if you could both uh, tell us your names, a little bit about yourselves and how you got involved with Boxaroo.
0: Go for it, Fro. Sure. So uh, my name is Robert, or more commonly uh, going by Fro, and I got involved with Boxaroo when I reached out to this new escape room company and uh, ran into my old college uh colleague uh victor who had this brilliant idea and he was like yeah we'd love to have you on board to help design and build and then it turned into me wanting to stick around and grow the company so yeah that is how i got involved with boxeru and how i've uh stuck it out for i think i was realizing it's all five and a half years now
3: all right so my name is Bree. I got involved in true in a rather roundabout way. Um, I spent 11 years doing industrial fabrication while at the same time being obsessed with community theater. And this also ties back to MIT, where I did the MIT Musical Theater Guild. Now, when you end up doing a lot of tech work at the MIT, MTG, you'll usually end up kind of training a protege. And one of mine was Dre. And after I was long gone from MIT, one of Dre's proteges was Fro. So when Fro was looking for help to build his newest rooms, he reached out, of course, to Dre, who said, ah, I know somebody who has recently had a company leave the city and is looking for a job. And that's how I got involved and then discovered that I'd actually overlapped with Fro for like exactly one day one build for was it was it jesus christ superstar
0: it sure was (laughs) um the summer of 2010 yeah Yeah. (laughs) um the absolute sketchiest set no it was terrible but the show was fine uh nobody died (laughs) um honestly
3: for for college theater that's all you can ask from your set sometimes
0: no it's true it's true and especially i'd say for that set in particular and the decisions that went into the design process um it really is a testament to your building skills that nobody ended up dying so yeah thank you
3: you're welcome i stuck around box because i've been obsessed with puzzles since forever it's a beautiful marriage of building and puzzling and acting
2: where did your inspiration for the narrative of Colby's cook-off come from?
3: I remember that we landed on the theme because we were all watching baking shows.
0: Yeah, we very much, I seem to recall the first thought was, what is a general theme that we can write puzzles around and you know, towards? And we decided like food and cooking. Yeah, we can nail that.
3: I think an alien zoo was our second choice.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: But we wanted uh, more accessible. Everybody was getting into bread though.
0: No? Yeah. Brie, do you remember where, like when in the process the story came about?
3: I remember that Colby came like two-thirds of the way through the process, but his name specifically. I think it was Steve at first yes. because all <laughs> it's of our stories Steve. have a stand-in of Steve. I don't know why. <laughs> and then Colby was the perfect cheese pun. I'm glad they didn't go with Bree. But no, it was. It was, we were starting off with a, it was always cooking competition. And it went from from having each round of puzzles be a round of competition to, no, we want to get into the backstory of Colby. We want want people to be invested in this character. So every round is now looking into Colby's life and growing up and how it shaped him into this person who's going to be winning this cook-off. Because we like telling stories. It's kind of a box-through thing. For sure.
1: Could you both tell us why you decided to offer your audience a puzzle hunt style experience instead of an escape room style experience? We know you guys primarily own an escape room, so I'm interested to see how it was received by the general public or maybe even
0: your local players. I mean, I can speak a little bit to some previous times that we had tried to do this because we'd also experimented offering citywide scavenger hunts and... We had always wanted those to have puzzling elements, but not be as puzzle intensive as an escape room, which it turns out was a challenge because our fans were all huge puzzle heads. So we definitely got used to a disconnect of we've made something that wasn't puzzling enough and people were disappointed. We're trying to appeal to families and we're getting, you know, college kids, uh, what what's going on there? and how do we adjust that? So, you know, I can speak to us being apprehensive about doing something a little outside our norm, but on the other hand, at least it was in the, probably the direction people more so wanted, uh, based on previous attempts to do that. So
3: and also among the writing team, all of us do MIT mystery hunt. And in fact, several of us had been writers for various hunts. I, I wouldn't say that I really contributed to the writing of a, of a hunt, but definitely to baffle the Boston area Puzzle Hunt League. My experience with puzzles has been more of the hardcore, more typical paper and pencil puzzles and escape rooms was new to me. So having the opportunity to go back to a more puzzle focused thing was really intriguing to me because I want to bring people into that world. One of the things that I enjoy most about running an escape room at Box is getting new players immersed in this world of escape rooms and this, this idea of this entire different genre to explore. Well, what can we do to get now our escape room people and introduce them to our other obsession of these more online, more puzzle heavy, still completely different way of thinking and looking at the worlds from more typical, say, crossword puzzles. And so that's that's why we went with there. A lot of other companies, we saw and we sat down and we saw the people were doing the, okay, we'll strap a GoPro to a, a person and have them in the room and you are controlling an avatar of that. No, that doesn't really work with, especially with our rooms, which are so teamwork based. It needed to be something that was completely on the web. And that was for us, the best thing was a puzzle hunt.
2: So most games that we cover on the show, you know, you have to pay to play it. Yet for this game, you all offer a payment system where you don't even have to pay to play the game. What was the conversation behind that decision?
0: Yeah, I think definitely Victor, my co-owner and and the creative force behind Most of Boxer very strongly wanted this to be a pay what you want, pay what you can type experience and was very strongly pushing for that. And ultimately, like, we were trying to put this out right when the pandemic had started. Our doors were closed. Everyone else's doors were closed. People were working from home if they could. And it's like, this is not necessarily the time to be, you know, demanding money from people. We really want to be putting this out to brighten everyone's day and, and give everyone a fun experience to do. So, you know, I think he felt very strong about it
3: it's not time to be trying to make a profit it is time to trying to get a little bit of what we can but with the acknowledgement that we'd rather just get it out there
0: yeah this was yeah it was definitely all about you know keeping us and our staff uh occupied with something to do and getting it out there for everyone else to play and hopefully to to brighten their day so i think you know There's ways to do this this sort of model correctly, and I think we tried to hit all those points. And you know, we did did our research first on it. And ultimately, I think for a project of this scope and scale, it was definitely the right call. And you know, definitely meant it could be enjoyed by a wider audience uh, than it otherwise would have. And ultimately, I think it's it has like given us returns. You know, maybe not as much as it could have, but enough that I feel comfortable we made the right decision the very least, that is paid for itself. Oh, yeah, for sure. And to
3: be honest, I think that having the pay what you can or pay what you want has also helped remove a barrier for international audience. Definitely. They don't have to worry about the currency changes. So we have seen players from literally all over the world. It's, it's yeah. wonderful.
1: All of your games, whether it's this game that we're covering today or your escape rooms, have a really great reputation for being very creative. Can you take us behind the scenes a little bit into your creative process?
3: I am going to say Victor, uh, Victor being creative head, imagine that he is in a park and he's walking a bunch of dogs. Rather, he's holding a bunch of leashes in his hands. And at the end of leashes, you have a St. Bernard and a Chihuahua and a Poodle, two cats and a very confused kangaroo. He can kind of get them going all the same direction. Sometimes I think he's just following what the heck is going on. Anybody walking by is going to go, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I bet it's going to be interesting. And that is my analogy for Boxer. We have We have a creative head who's trying to get everything herded in a direction and is very at least making the choices. And then we have a lot of people shooting off kind of like Yarnsman Octopus trying
0: to play the drums. We definitely have an ideation process in terms of pitching ideas, trying to flesh them out with like a sketch and maybe a few words and trying to indicate what the action and the hook for them is and then communicating that to everyone else so that we can all be on the same page about it and then ultimately we kind of let those ideas stew and percolate into you know what can we use for a given project and i will say you know that being the process for our escape rooms definitely Colby's was was quite a bit different in that It was more like, well, you've got an idea for a puzzle. Can you write one up and have us test it? You know, if we know we need answers within this theme or that fit into this meta, what can you come up with? And just, you know, we're all at home. We're all sitting there typing things into spreadsheets, just shoot it over and ask someone to play it. And they'd be like, yeah, this is great. Or I've been staring at this for hours and I really can't do it. (laughs)
3: I feel like both for Colby's and for our rooms, we end up having a small number of very well-defined goals. Yeah. Um, for our, like, for example, our escape room. One of the very strong restrictions for our storyteller secret was the space we were building in. Small, strange, and that was working with that was one of them. But then, how how you approach functioning with that is completely up in the air. So, a couple of very well-defined end goals, and then blue sky, figure out what the heck we're going to be doing to get into them. And also emotional tone tends to be one of those
0: well-defined end goals. We will have that process sort of um, outlined, and then we'll suddenly take strong left or, or right. We'll end up veering uh, towards the end of it. You know, we very much had a lot of things figured out. This applies to all of our escape rooms as well as for Kobe's. And then at the very end, we just get one great idea. And it's like, no, we have to do this. And everything has to kind of shift to accommodate that. I'm just intrigued to know
2: this. Will we be seeing more at-home games from Boxer Room? We really
3: want to make a take-home puzzle box, a more physically manipulative. And part, I know that I'm part of the force driving the wanting to have intricate things that you can touch and feel because I am a builder. And I love making mechanical and tactile puzzles. So it is something that we don't have completely fleshed out yet. We are still in the early planning stages of even finding and agreeing upon a theme and a story. But we know what physical form we want it to take and about how big and about how complicated. And yes, we don't know exactly when it will come out, partially because on the escape room side, we are looking for a physical space to grow that side of the business. And yeah. whether or not we end up finding the space, obviously directly impact whether we have time to focus on the puzzle box.
0: There's but a, it is
3: a, something we're very much looking forward to and grinning in the back of our head.
0: For sure. I think it's something, Bri, you've especially wanted to, to do for a while. And I, you know, fully support and, and I love the idea of something at home and having played a number of the more mass market ones, it's like, no, I think we, I think we can do better than that on so many fronts that I I would love to see what we could come up with. Ultimately, it depends on what our timing is for other developments and you know, what the, what the general workflow for that would look like. So, but I would love to, you know, I would love to have more to tell you and and maybe keep your eyes on this space for the future.
1: And we know you guys are giant nerds like us. So as much or as little, tell us a little of some of your favorite games, board games, video games, puzzle games, whatever you want to tell us about.
0: I will tell you in sort of the puzzle video game space, especially if you love card games also. I very much enjoyed Inscription. Yeah, you got, you've got, got the right that. reaction here. Yep. I um, yeah,
3: I, I can vouch for that as well.
0: It's so good, and it's it's in terms of a video game that feels very like having just the tiniest amount of escape room elements stapled on top of a, a deck-building card game, which is my favorite genre. Mm, love it. Chef's Kiss, so good. I'd easily recommend that. And and Brie, I, I think you've picked up a bunch more in that sort of space recently, so I, I'll let you speak to that. I
3: have, but in the keeping of today's theme of Puzzle Hunt, um, mm. the one that I would like to recommend the most for hardcore puzzlers is Panda magazine. This is Panda, Puzzle and Answer, P and A, Panda. It is a comes up out once every two months, and there are a whole bunch of kind of warm-up puzzles and then a puzzle extravaganza that is on the on the level of MIT Mystery Hunt in terms of wide-ranging subjects and interesting. Uh, ways to extract and w- incredibly well-written, elegant most often. I would like to shout out because it's something that I I go, when I am in a bad headspace, I will go and print out an old issue and just lose myself in puzzles. Definitely not for beginners, but
0: definitely beautiful for those of us who enjoy puzzles. There are, uh, I, I've done a few of those, uh, especially the the more puzzle boat extravaganza ones. And it's like, oh yeah, these are definitely like diving in at the deep end. But, you know, if you love interesting, unique, cool puzzles and a great experience for it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Do it in a group. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's just like an escape room. It helps to bring your smarter friends with you to do it. Yeah. I I was actually just talking
3: with somebody about Outer Wilds, the video game, and just the the exploration aspect, the, it is a, it is a computer-based game. You are an alien whose race has recently discovered how to go off planet and you are exploring and trying to figure out what happened to the civilization that came before yours. Um, And I don't want to go too much into spoilers beyond that because it takes emotional twists and turns from a very simple standpoint. And then physics is wonderful and you die a lot. It is a an emotional journey. It is a beautiful game, and it's something that I I recommend to anybody who enjoys the exploration aspect and the figuring out what the hell is even going on for games.
0: I think I'll also shout out to a game universe sort of that I I'm a huge fan of. If you love storytelling, which is the Sunless Seas slash Sunless Sky universe by Fail Better Games. The two main games are Sunless Sea and Sunless Sky, both pretty fantastic. It's Victorian-era London, except London has fallen below the surface of the earth, and you exist in an underground cavern, and a lot of weird things exist in this parallel sort of universe. But... The thing with it to me is the extremely compelling world building and storytelling and narrative design for a, it's nominally a roguelike, but really it's a bit more like, uh, you're going through and just experiencing different story elements, visual novel-esque maybe sort of, um, and, and, you know, you're, it's, it's a fantastic universe. It's a fantastic storyline. It's really really cool and exciting. And I, you know, love all the things they come up with for that.
3: Just thank you very much for having us. I've, I've gotten to listen to a couple of your podcasts now and might have a new obsession of things to keep on in the background while I'm doing work. So thank you for that. Thank you for introducing me to that.
0: It's been a pleasure talking with you and, you know, getting to hear more about your side of things and uh, definitely looking forward to meeting you at recon this year. Very excited for that.
1: Bree, Fro, thank you so much yes, for thank you. coming on. Uh, super excited to see you guys in Boston in a couple of months and best until then preparing to be one of the host escape room locations. If you're interested in finding out more about uh, Colby's Curious Cook-Off or their escape rooms, just search Boxaroo. I believe it's Boxaroo.com, B-O-X-A-R-O-O.com. If you've played Colby's Curious Cook-Off, the best way that you can support them is by actually paying for the game. Highly recommend that you do that. But you can also leave them a review. Find out where you can do that on their website. Show a lot of love. We like to show a lot of love to this company because we really enjoy their content. Zach, as always, how can people help us out the same way we're asking them to help out our creators out? Yeah, there's
2: multiple different things you can do to support puzzling company. Uh, the first is you can go support us on Patreon. Um, we have three different tiers that you can join at there. Um, it's a really cool place. You get to get episodes early. You get to get to play some of the games with us online digitally. We send you access to some of those games. It's just a really cool place to be able to interact and get to hang out with you guys and talk about all the games we get to play. You can also follow us on social media at Puzzling Company on Facebook and on Instagram and wherever you listen to this podcast, if that's iTunes, Stitcher google spotify wherever it is um you can go there and leave us a five-star review we'd super appreciate
1: it boom zach i'm so excited about next week yeah do you know what we're playing next week yeah we're playing
2: the new we were here forever
1: yeah super excited uh this is a larger game studio that puts out one of our favorite video game series split experience zach and i have played all of the other ones we were super excited that the Creators decide to come on the show. This game has just released. Yes. And we're very excited to talk to them. Just a shout out again to our Patreon. All of our Patreon players will get to play one of the We Were Here games for free. Mm -hmm. So think about joining our Patreon. You're getting some dope stuff as a part of that. Yep. But we will see you all next week. For Jared and Zach, this has been Puzzling Company. See you guys.
0: Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. This
3: has been Road Media Network Podcast.